0: I want to welcome you again to Lebanon Christian Church. I know that there are several of you that are new today. Uh, You're here to support families as they make these promises to raise their kids up and teach them how to follow Jesus. Uh, so if you're new and this is your first time, or if you're just returning to Lebanon Christian Church for the first time in several weeks or several months, I want to give you a little bit of orientation as to where we are. Uh, we're in a series called Missio Dei, uh, two Latin words, Missio, mission, Dei, God. We're looking at the mission of God for his people. Uh, every single one of us, we laid this groundwork last week, we don't have time to dive into it too deeply, but every single one of us asks the question, why am I here? What's my purpose? What on earth am I here for? And you will only find a satisfying answer when you can answer that question by finding your purpose in the purpose of God, your mission in the mission of God. And the way we've described God's mission is this way. God's mission is to bring his blessing and extend it to every person, to every corner of the earth. And when we talk about blessing, that is a a term that is just so full and we could spend hours dissecting. God's blessing speaks to his goodness. It speaks to his greatness. It speaks to the fullness of the life that he offers when people live life according to his way and they experience all the joy that comes with that, the peace that comes with that, the contentment that comes with that. That's God's blessing. And God's desire, God's mission is that blessing reaches every single person in every single place. And he invites us to be in that mission. Uh, We we said last week that all of history, in fact, is God on this mission. All of history is his story. He wants people to experience his blessing. And so this week, we're kind of moving to answering another question. Like, what are the methods of that mission? How does God want to accomplish his mission? What's his strategy uh, for helping every corner and every person experience his blessing how does he reach everyone in our community? How does he reach everyone in our state? How does he reach everyone in our country and our world? Do you know how God wants to accomplish his mission? Do you know what his primary strategy is? Do you know what his primary method is for extending his mission uh, throughout the earth? It's you, it's me. God intends for those of us created in his image, humankind, to extend his mission, to bring his blessing, to be agents of his blessing in the world. In fact, he would say through Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter five that we are his ambassadors, that God is making his appeal through us. God wants to extend his blessing to the earth to those of us who choose to trust and to follow him. Uh, Kind of an object lesson to maybe help you is... uh, We are God's conduit. This is flexible, uh, electrical conduit. It's actually already have the electrical wires in it. Uh, Conduit itself is just uh, a hollow uh, piece of piping or flexible pipe, and it carries something else. Uh, We are the conduit. God is the power source. Uh, He's the one that we carry. And so God intends for us to be his conduit and to carry him and to carry his blessing to the world. Uh, We are are God's conduit. He comes to live inside of us as we trust and follow him. He transforms us uh, on the inside, and through us, he transforms the world. We are God's primary method to accomplish his mission. But how how exactly is that supposed to unfold? And so to explore that, we're going to go back to a passage we looked at briefly last week, uh, Matthew chapter 28, it's the Great Commission. We hit it briefly at the beginning and briefly at the end, and we're going to go a little more in-depth today uh, and explore how we fulfill our role in God's mission. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, um, if you're looking in your Bible app, um, I'm using the NIV version, so you can choose that and see that the words will match up. But Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, we see this. to the very end of the age. Jesus says, all authority is mine. And so with all this authority, I command you to go as disciples, make disciples everywhere, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what I command you, and know that you, you have confidence, because I'm with you as you fulfill my mission, as you serve and fulfill your role in my mission. So as we look at us being the primary method of his mission, I want to start with this, and I want you to understand that if we're going to fulfill our primary role, we have to understand that the primary method to fulfilling God's mission is rooted in his authority. Before we ever get to verses 19 and 20, you have Jesus telling his disciples in verse 18 that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The command that follows comes from the authority of who Jesus is. Why is that important? It means that Jesus is the boss. It means that Jesus is king. I like those terms better. In fact, Dean just shared with us in our communion time about Matthew's intent to show us that Jesus is king. Revelation tells us that he's the king of kings. Like he has absolute authority. We had a series here a couple years ago that was called King Jesus. We, We have to acknowledge that the command that comes in Matthew 19 and 20, 28, 19 and 20, is rooted in the authority of who Jesus is. He is king. He is on the throne. And why is that significant? Because we struggle with authority. Humanity has always struggled with authority. But we see it around us all the time, even in our own culture. We struggle with organizational authority, whether it's for profit or not for profit. We challenge authority. We challenge authority in politics at the local level, state level, national level. We struggle with authority when it comes to our schools. Our teachers struggle with challenges to their authority from students and parents all the time. Our administrators have challenges to their authority. Coaches have challenges to their authority. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, and there are a lot of you in the room, you know that your kids and your grandkids like to challenge your authority. Well, guess what? Jesus isn't exempt from that. We challenge his authority. Can he really tell us what to do and tell us how to live Before we will ever accept the command of the Great Commission, we first have to acknowledge the authority of the one who brings it. Because you and I both know this. If we don't respect or appreciate the authority of the one who's giving the instruction, we'll ignore it, won't we? I don't need to listen to you. I don't need to do that. So it starts by understanding that the primary method of fulfilling God's mission is rooted in the authority of who gives it. And Jesus is king. And so when I ignore any of his commands, including the Great Commission, I'm ignoring his authority. I'm disobeying his command. And I do it to my detriment, and I do it to the detriment of other people that God has entrusted to me or put me alongside of. Once we recognize that the Great Commission is rooted in the authority of Him, our prime the primary method of God fulfilling His mission is rooted in His authority we can look more specifically at how he wants us to fulfill that mission. He calls us to be disciples who make disciples. So, so what is a disciple? We have to answer that question, right? A disciple, this is how we define it at Lebanon Christian Church, a disciple is someone who trusts and follows Jesus. That comes straight out of Scripture. When, when, when Jesus calls men, his disciples, when Paul talks about disciples, when we read in the Great Commission, make disciples, uh, the word there in the original language means apprentice or learner. A disciple is someone who is learning to live like someone else, to act like someone else. They're invited into this apprentice relationship to learn. And so a disciple of Jesus is someone who trusts and follows Jesus. We're committed to learning from Jesus how to live life. We're saying, Jesus, you are my model. I want to live like, life like you. I've shared with you these words a number of times. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. If anyone claims to live in him, to live in Jesus, he must live as Jesus did. That's what it means to be a disciple. We live like Jesus. We look to Jesus. We Jesus, teach me. Teach me how to love my wife, teach me how to love my husband, teach me how to love my kids, teach me how to, how, how to act in the workplace, teach me how to speak, teach me how to be a student in the classroom, teach me how to good, be a good child to my parents. I, I wanna live like you, King Jesus. Teach me how to live. That's what it means to be a disciple. And the intentional lifelong process or lifelong journey of becoming like Jesus, we call discipleship. The word discipleship doesn't show up in scripture, but as we look at disciples, we see that they are on this lifelong journey to become like Jesus. And so here's our definition for discipleship at Lebanon Christian Church. It's that intentional lifelong journey to become more like Jesus. We wanna live like Jesus. He is our model. How does that that relate to fulfilling this mission and being the primary method of fulfilling his mission? Well, we wanna look to Jesus to be our model. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, we wanna ask the question, okay, Jesus, how did you do it? How did you make disciples? What did you do? Teach me. Let me learn from you. And the beauty of scriptures, it gives us all kinds of wisdom of how Jesus made disciples. You can look to the first four books of the New Testament. They're called the Gospels. Again, Dean just mentioned this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell us the account of Jesus' life, what he did, what he said, where he went. They give us his witness. They give us who he is, the savior of the world, the king of the universe. And Jesus called People to come and follow him and to be disciples. And I just want to show you um, one of the records of when he called his first disciples, Matthew chapter 4. Because it gives us a clue uh, to how Jesus made disciples. In Matthew chapter 4, we'll be at verses 18 to 20. It tells us that as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, as he went, as he lived, again, thinking back to the Great Commission, it says, therefore go, but kind of the figure, the, the part of speech that is, it's as you go, as you live. So as Jesus lived, just as we live, we're to make disciples, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets, and they followed him. And he goes on to do the same thing with James and John. Uh, That two-word invitation, follow me, is so full. Uh, We we know from uh, writings outside of Scripture, uh, from Jewish history, that follow me was a common invitation that rabbis, Jewish teachers, would give uh, to young people to come and to learn from them, to come to live like them. Jesus is inviting these men, come, apprentice me, learn from me so you can live like me. He's inviting them into an intentional relationship where he will invest in them. And what do we see unfold over the course of Jesus' life and ministry? He invests. He invests in these 12 He invests in in, in three, uh, Peter, James, and John, at at, at a more intimate level, so they can grow to live like him and serve him and his purposes in the world. So, as disciples, we are people who trust and follow Jesus. We're on this intentional, lifelong journey to become like Jesus. And that results in disciple making. Because disciple-making is simply obeying Jesus' command to invest in others so they become disciples who make disciples. That's that's how we participate in this mission of God. And, And that leads us to ask a few questions. One of them probably is this, why? Why did Jesus choose this method to accomplish the mission of God in the world. Why did He choose intentional, relational disciple making? I think one of the greatest answers is that it's a part of it, it's because we are born in the image of a relational God. Intentional relational learning is hardwired into us. If you don't believe me, talk to the parents that were on the stage here at the beginning of our worship experience. There were kids from probably four or five years old or older down all the way to these young, young children. As they begin to speak, as they begin to act, guess who they will imitate? The people they spend the most time with. And that's for good and bad, right? How many of us, the parents have had those proud moments? Like, oh, my little kid, he's saying prayers, like he's seen me do that, he, 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 he's following my example. But how many of them have seen it for bad reasons, right? Uh, our kids overheard us say certain words and then they repeat them and we're like, "Ooh, that's not good. You probably shouldn't say that anymore." Because they have watched, they have observed, they're imitating. It's hardwired in us. We learn best through observation and imitation, right? To take it from the youth all the way up to business practices, why is it that businesses have a common model of internships and residency programs and training programs? Because they know when they line you up with someone, with a small group of people, you will learn by watching and imitating. This goes for large corporations. It goes for financial institutions. It happens in the medical world. They assign you to someone to learn from them. And then you get released as you've observed and imitated. We learn best in these intentional relational environments. Talk to teachers. Why is it that the larger their classroom size grows, the more ineffective they feel that they are? Because they cannot have as much of an intentional relationship with the kids that are there. And so why is it that children excel when they get into smaller groups or tutoring relationships? Because we are hardwired for intentional relational learning. So God's hardwired us to learn best as disciples in intentional relational environments. Think about God himself. How did he conduct his life? Creator of the universe. When he creates Adam and Eve in the beginning, we're told that he is walking with them in the garden. He's teaching them in the garden. God relationally involved in the life of his people. What does he do with the prophets? His Holy Spirit inspires them with messages. What does he do with Moses? He calls them up onto a mountain and he teaches them. And he says, now you go and teach other people. And and the greatest example is Jesus, right? The word became flesh. God made his dwelling among us. God invaded human flesh. He zipped himself up in human flesh. We call that the incarnation. And he made his dwelling among us. He drew near to show us how to live. It's hardwired, it's intentional, relational, learning, disciple making. And again, he's our model, so we follow him, right? And, and we see intentional relational, like disciple-making instruction for how to live for God, even back in the Old Testament. Uh, we're not going to look at it in depth today because of time, but we went to a verse last week, um, Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, where as God is talking about fulfilling his promise to Abraham, he says that one of the ways that promise is going to be fulfilled is because Abraham Will keep God's ways and teach those with him to keep God's ways, to do what is right and to do what is just. So Abraham learns it, and Abraham then teaches it. He's the conduit to carry that to his family so then they can carry that on. Sean mentioned the words of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. I want to go to those for just a moment. Again, because we see that even in the beginning of God's people, this intentional, relational disciple-making was evident. If you're a parent, I would just encourage you, just lay hold of these words. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart, So you grab hold of them, and then what happens? Verse seven, we impress them on our children. How do we impress them on our children? We talk about them when we sit at home, when we walk along the road, when we lie down, and when we get up. In in the, in the daily affairs of life, we are intentional with those entrusted to us to help them see how to honor God in their moments. Verse eight, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorframes of your houses and on your gates. Put reminders all over the place to remind you how to love God and how to honor him. Again, all the way back in the Old Testament, this is intentional relational disciple making. If you are going to honor God as a citizen of Israel, as a worshiper of, of the God of Israel, then you also impart that to your children intentionally. I know life was way different uh, when Israel was wandering through the wilderness than it is today. But I'm guessing they had distractions like we had distractions. They had opportunities to, to draw them away to worship other things. We're told that they sought after other idols. Uh, we have the same thing. We can't uh, assume that we will just magically one day teach our children. We have to be intentional to impress upon them, to talk about it when we sit at home, when we walk along the road, when we lie down, and when we get up to put it all around us. Intentional, relational disciple-making. And again, we've already said, this is Jesus' model, this is what he did. And so that leads me to two important questions. One, first, if I'm gonna be a disciple who makes disciples, I have to answer the first question. Am I a disciple of Jesus? Do you view your primary identity as being someone who wants to learn from Jesus and live like Jesus? Or do you view yourself as someone who Loves God and likes what he does and what he says? You're fine just coming to church somewhat frequently or somewhat infrequently? You're fine going to study here and there? Or do you really want to live like Jesus? Are you a disciple of Jesus? And if you're a disciple of Jesus, ask the second question, are you a disciple who's willing to fulfill his mission by being a disciple who makes disciples? As you intentionally uh, engage in this lifelong journey of becoming more like Jesus, will you obey his command to intentionally invest in other people that they might become disciples who make disciples? And for honest, this is a real challenge for us, right? You can almost feel the tension in the room. Because the American model for the church for so long has been let's just try to mass produce followers of Jesus. Big gatherings, big classes, And and that's worked to some effect, but it's not been the most effective model. Because we've been missing a relational component of investing in people one-on-one and one-on-three and one-on-four. For many in America, the great commission, if we're honest, has been the great omission Many of us get so caught up in what we're doing in life that Jesus is important to us. We may even read our Bibles. We may attend a study. We may go to church. But to intentionally invest in another, that's too difficult. It's gonna take too much time, too much energy. I'm gonna change my schedule. And yet what Jesus supplies to us is that's the most effective way to bring his blessing to the world. And so will we settle for less than the best or will we allow him to teach us and jump on board and become disciples who make disciples who make disciples? Will we take him seriously? Will we obey him? I know it's gonna cost us. It costs me. There are things that I'm not able to do because I choose to invest in people intentionally and relationally, early in the morning and late at night. I have to give up some things, but didn't Jesus warn us about that? Luke chapter nine, if any of you were to come after me, you must what? You must deny yourself, take up your cross, how often? Daily, and follow me. Because anyone who wants to gain, they have to lose their life in this world. You have to lose your life to gain in the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be hard. Will we choose to reprioritize our calendars, our schedules, our finances, how we invest our time and energy and experience just how faithful and fulfilling and fruitful disciple-making Jesus' way is? Will we obey? I know some of you are sitting here right now and you're like, you know what? I like the way that we have done church my whole life. I'm fine just coming to church, worshiping, trying to be a good person, obey a lot of God's instructions. If I don't obey all of them, I'm fine being a part of a study. I'm not going to do this intentional disciple making stuff. And here's my promise to you. We will still love you. We will still encourage you, but we will continue to challenge you and invite you to join Jesus in his best way of being an intentional disciple maker. You know what happens when we join Jesus in his mission and we become disciples who are intentionally relationally making disciples it transforms every area of our life it transforms our families because as a parent or a grandparent you no longer view the most important thing you can do for your children is giving them opportunities you no longer view the most important decisions in their life as who they marry and where they go to college and, and, and how they expend their energies. You no longer view what they do on the court or the field in the studio or on the stage or on the test as, as the greatest sign of effectiveness. You see, the most important thing is that you can invest in your child or your grandchild to help them discover the wonders and the mysteries and the goodness of God. And so you will orient your life to take advantage of moments on the day when they are on the court, when they are in the field, and when they are on the stage to draw them back to keep King Jesus and what he has to say about their life. It changes everything. It changes everything about the workplace. You can go to a job that you loathe and you can go to a job that you love. You can go work with people that are difficult to work with. You can engage in conflict and conversation and difficult work tasks because you know that the God of creation lives inside of you and he has gone before you and every moment is in a moment of opportunity to bring his transforming power to the world because you are his conduit and you get to bring the power of his kingdom with you wherever you go. And as you do that, it reclaims and it redeems common, ordinary tasks. And so you're working beside a coworker on an assembly line. They're driving you nuts. And you realize in that moment, how I respond, how I act, how I do my job reveals something different. And eventually God opens doors for conversation. And maybe you get to invest intentionally in that person, that man, that woman to help them discover who Jesus is as you've discovered who Jesus is. It, It changes everything. It changes everything about our activity. If if we're a young person, we're involved in a sport or a club, a choir, a band, then, then when I'm in the band and when I'm on the field, when I'm on the court, I'm there as someone who is an agent of King Jesus. And so how I encourage even the opposing team can make a difference. How I respond to my coach, how I prepare and practice, For my time on the field at halftime in the band makes a difference it changes everything it changes our conduct on vacation it changes our conduct with friends at the club it changes how we engage when we're at a festival like the festival of the turning leaves it changes everything when we realize i am a disciple of jesus i want to live like jesus and i'm on a mission to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples will we join him in the most effective way I know some of you are thinking, Craig, I would love to do it, but I don't know how, and I want you to know you're not alone, because again, we've not been very good at this in the church in America for a very long time. But here's the hope that I will give you is that you can learn, and I know that from personal experience. I grew up in a very traditional church model. I went to Sunday school, I went to youth group, I went to church on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, and I learned a lot about Jesus, and I saw a little bit about how to follow him. And that's what I've modeled. In my life, I think God's used me to help other people. But in 2018, I was challenged by some intentional disciple makers who were being more effective as followers of Jesus to reorient my life around the Great Commission. And it set me on a journey to learn how to be more effective as a disciple maker. And I'm still on that journey, but it has changed everything about my priorities. And so now, yeah, I still believe in preaching. I still believe in studies, but I believe the most important thing that I can do as a disciple of Jesus is to intentionally invest my life in a few, that they might intentionally invest their lives in a few, who intentionally invest their lives in a few. And then as they invest their lives, I move on and I invest in more. And am seeing so much more fruit from that. We are hoping that Lebanon Christian Church, we can discover how to orient our lives around the Great Commission. This church was founded 40 years ago to make a difference. And we have made a difference, but is there a way we can even be more effective and I believe the answer is yes, and that's orienting our lives around the Great Commission by choosing to be disciples who make disciples. And every one of us can be transformed and changed to do that very thing. Over the last year, we have seen 30-plus people engage in kind of this organic movement of disciples making disciples from Lebanon Christian Church. It started with 10 back in late July of 2023, 2022 who met and went on this 32-week journey of just reading the Word together, we are reading it with our heart. God, what are you trying to say to me? What do you want me to do? We are learning some tools on how to grow as disciples of Jesus. And halfway through our time, we started taking leadership and ownership in that group. And as that group went on, other groups launched and other groups have launched. And now we've had 30 plus people over the course of the last year go through an intentional disciple making group and relationship and they're launching their own groups. And we would love to help you do the same. The best way to get involved if you're struck you wanna be in part of a disciple-making group is just email us, connect at lebanonchristian.org and we will help you. And again, if you say, I'm not gonna do this, I'm content just to come and sit here every Sunday, I'm content to be a part of a study here and there, please know we're going to love you, we're going to encourage you and we're gonna continue to challenge you. We're not saying you're not a, a follower of Jesus that you don't love him. We're saying, will you join us and discover the Jesus way? And let's transform this world for him. The stakes are high. There are millions of people around our world who don't know him and you through investing in a few and then another few and then they invest in a few, we can spread the good news throughout the world in an incredibly effective way. It's gonna require prayer. It's gonna require perseverance. Prayer. Matthew chapter nine, Jesus tells his disciples this. He says that the fields are, are ready for harvest. So let's ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers? Will we pray intentionally, God will you raise up workers including me? Help me be engaged in your mission in intentional relational ways. Will we persevere? Matthew chapter 24 verse 14 says that until this gospel is preached to the ends of the earth, that's when the end will come. It's only when every person has had the opportunity to see who Jesus is that the end will come. We pray a lot, come Lord Jesus. Like I'm ready for this world to end, but are we ready to be the answer to that prayer and going out and intentionally investing in our schools, in our workplaces, in our families, in our community to help people know him? We're gonna have to persevere. Life is not gonna get any easier in the United States of America. But as we trust and follow Jesus, as we commit to this intentional lifelong journey of becoming more like him, as the outflow of that becomes us investing in others, that they might become more like Jesus and make disciples. We'll see that we thrive in the midst of difficulty and turmoil and uncertainty. And God invites us to be a part of that. Are you a disciple? If the answer is no, maybe it's no because you don't even know who Jesus is, we wanna continue to encourage you that Jesus is the answer. He's the one who will transform your life He came and he lived and he died for you. And if you will turn from living for yourself, living for sin, we call that repentance, and turn to him in faith, trusting him, your faith driving you to identify with him in baptism, his spirit fills you and you get to walk in this new way. We wanna help you with that. And so again, you can email us, connect at lebanonchristian.org. You can scan the QR code that says Let's Connect. You can fill out a connection card at one of our offering uh, tables and communion tables, put in the offering box, and we will help you discover who Jesus is. Are you a disciple who makes disciples? If the answer is no, then I encourage you start with your family. Invest. How do you reclaim the rhythms of your day? Start with your work. How can you carry the kingdom with you and intentionally live as Jesus would live in a way that it shines light into dark places? And as you have conversations, are there ways that you can interject that how, how Jesus has made something different for you? And as that compels people, listen for them asking questions and invite them to come and to learn from you on how to follow Jesus. We are the primary method. We are the conduit to carry him and his blessing to the world. Will we respond? Let's pray. God, thank you. God, it is humbling. Uh, It is awe-inspiring. It is fear-inducing in in all the right ways to know that you, the incredible creator of the universe, has invited us to be the ones who bring your blessing to the world. God, I pray that you would continue to raise up more and more intentional disciple-makers that we would choose to take advantage of our moments and our relationships to, to draw people to you. Give us courage, give us humility, give us wisdom. And it's in your name we pray, amen.